0: Right club be the right club today. Yes. Well, I mean that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.
1: Expect
2: anything different?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Sally here. Today's episode is a little different from the normal cadence. We will get to that in a second, but first got to tell you about our friends at Roback. We've been wearing their gear for a while right now. I'm wearing their gear right now. I wore their gear yesterday. I will probably wear it again tomorrow. I can confidently say it is the best feel of a shirt or a hoodie or whatever that I've ever worn. I've been in a lot of golf tournaments lately. I've seen their stuff everywhere. I was out in Oregon, saw their stuff all over the airport. Their performance polo fit much better than your typical boxy polos. Their four-way stretch is next level. Material super soft, stays wrinkle-free. The founders went through 20 iterations on the collar alone to ensure it keeps its shape, doesn't get in the way of your golf swing. The performance Q-Zips, I just put one in my suitcase. I'm getting ready to head out for the weekend. They are soft. They are the definition of versatile and perfect for a cool morning on the course or an evening around town. And lastly, the performance hoodies. The stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf. Maybe the most comfortable performance hoodie on the entire market. And again, the sneaky thing about them, you can wear them multiple times. You don't even need to wash them. They're gaining traction big time and you can use code NLU at Roback.com for 20% off your first order. That's Roback.com, R-H-O-B-A-C-K dot com, 20% off polos Q-zips, hoodies, and tees with code NLU. My fascination with the old course at St. Andrews goes back at least 20 years. I don't remember the first time I played it in a video game, but I do remember waking up early to watch Tiger Woods at the 2000 Open Championship. For a 13-year-old, the idea of traveling to a foreign country was unfathomable. To me, these players were so far away from the world, I knew they might as well have been playing on the moon. Justin Thomas has similar memories as a kid.
3: I remember, obviously, like, you know, Tigers 3-wood into, what is it, 14, where, you know, he's saying to Stevie, is that what you're talking about? He's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I just want to make sure that's what I'm talking about. You know, that kind of whole exchange. And obviously watched that that replay a million times. I don't, I, I just always remember as a kid waking up in the middle of the night or in the morning to watch the Open.
1: The place just looked so wild. It's a golf course in the middle of a town. The holes are not defined very well. The greens are enormous with huge undulations. There's guys putting from 50 yards off the green. It's brown, not green like the courses I know in the United States. I watched and watched as Tiger picked the course apart, driving par fours, two putting for birdies. Looking back, you realize how rare it is that the guy that's supposed to win the tournament actually does it with ease. Yet at the same time, even at that young age, I could appreciate we were watching history. We were watching the greatest talent the game had ever seen at the home of golf. The old course is not necessarily a great fit for the modern game. It's short. It's funky. It's not great for viewing in person. It's even a little bit dangerous as two of the holes actually crisscross. Yet it marks what I would consider to be the best possible crossover between the professional game and what makes golf my favorite pastime. The Venn diagram of courses that are interesting to watch the pros play yet accessible to any golfer that wants to play does not have a very big overlap. And the fact that this happens at the birthplace of the game is what helps take the old course to an entirely different level. I've actually struggled over the years to come up with the proper way to describe how special this place is. So I reached out to several people that have experience there, either competing, writing, commentating, living in the area, or simply playing it. I've collected their thoughts here within this podcast episode, which I'm calling The Ode to the Old Course. My fascination with St. Andrews reached a fever pitch in 2008. My dad returned home from this foreign land that I still had never
2: even come close to visiting, and the
1: mystique all of a sudden just felt a lot more real. Other than
2: reservations at an Airbnb, we did not have any tea times, and he was living in Germany at the time, so he met me at the Edinburgh Airport after flying all night and picked me up, and we drove immediately to St. Andrews. And by the time we got there, it was probably two o'clock in the afternoon. And we went directly to the starter's hut. And this was in April. So there was still a fair amount of daylight and just inquired about getting a tea time. And sure enough, they had an opening in the very last tea time of the day.
1: I struggled to wrap my head around this. You just walk up to the home of golf and can walk out and play it, or do you
2: have to sweet talk the starter? Well, the conversation with the starter was pretty matter of fact. He said, your laddies are lucky. Uh, there's an opening in the last tea time of the day and you're, you're welcome to go. And he said that you're going to be playing with a a guy that, uh, is trying to make it on the European tour. So we, we played with him and then he, uh, went, joined us at Dunvegan when we were done with our round and, and we talked with him. And then by the time we got back to the Airbnb, and again this was in 2008 so messaging was not all that omnipresent so we had to wait a, till we got back to check email and then we had the first tea time of the next day because we had entered the lottery to get the, the tea time the next day so here i'd been in saint andrews for less than 24 hours and had already played the old course twice
1: i sat on this story in the hope of one day setting foot on the old course for seven years one difficulty was the fact that I'd never even been to Europe, so again, visualizing playing at this seemingly mythical place just seemed so far-fetched. But in the summer of 2015, I found myself waiting outside the Starters Pavilion at 4.30 in the morning. I'd stopped by that same Starters Hut the previous day to see if we would have the same luck my dad had seven years earlier. There were no more tea times available on that afternoon, but the starter told me of some opportunities the next morning, and I convinced my three buddies that we could beg our way onto the old course, and we did exactly that. When the doors to the pavilion opened up at 6 a.m., the starter informed us of a freak rarity. The entire foursome at 6.30 had canceled. We were already resigned to the fact that if we were going to play the old course, we were going to get separated into different groups. Yet a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play the old course with a full foursome had presented itself. The problem was we did not bring our clubs down to the starter's hut. We were planning on going back to bed once we had our tea time set. So we took off in a full sprint to the car, whipped around the ancient streets of St. Andrews, sprinted into our dorm, threw on any clothes we could find, grabbed the clubs, and headed straight back to the tee. I dropped the three of them off so they could claim our spot, and I raced down to the car park and took off in a dash to make sure we didn't miss the tee time. The caddies laughed and cheered as I ran by, and I gave them a celebratory fist pump. I didn't even have time to get nervous or even catch my breath. There we stood on the same tee box that Tiger Woods unleashed a vicious club twirl off of just 15 years prior and teed off on the old course at St. Andrews. The legend of the old course had come to life. Everyone that's been there has a story about their first time playing it. Here's Justin Thomas.
3: My first professional tournament was the Dunhill Lynx. And first off, we get there and I found out a couple weeks prior that I was in the Dunhill. And um, my partner was going to be Seth Law, who... You know, I'd heard a lot of great things, but I've come to find out is obviously an unbelievable dude. And in terms of when you're getting your first pro start and going to play in the Dunhill Lynx in a pro am, you can't really get much better than that uh, as a start. So we get there and it's just a nasty, nasty day. I mean, it's it's raining sideways. It's I mean, it's it's a day where obviously anybody from the States wouldn't play. And my dad and I are just kind of looking at each other. He's caddying for me. And we're like, I should probably go play in this. Like, I, I, I never play in it at home this isn't just something that I would normally do. So we're like, let's just go play a little loop just to maybe get used to the conditions. So first time I ever played golf at St. Andrews driver off one and I had six iron into the green and I hooped it for a two. It's the first time I ever played the hole. (laughs) It was, it was unbelievable. So I was just like, I don't really see what the hype's all about. This place is pretty easy, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, so it's funny. That was the first time I ever played it. And then, As the week went on, the draw came out. My first tee shot that week, first tee shot as professional, was number one at St. Andrews. So it doesn't get much better than that.
1: Here's Iona Steven, a commentator for Sky Sports.
4: The old course is like a very complex and complicated character. It's like something out of a mythical storybook, I suppose. And I imagine the old course is kind of a bit like an old man, really, that's lived a very long life and you never know what side of bed he's gonna get out of. And some mornings you might meet him on a a bright sunny day where there's not a cloud in the sky and barely a breath of wind. And it seems in that moment in St Andrews when you're there standing on the first tee, everything in the world is in sync and the old man is in a very good mood. And then there's other days where he's out on the wrong side of bed and the wind is blowing a hoolay, as we would say in Scotland, and it's a four-club wind and you're hitting driver and you probably need to consider driver off the deck for the second at the first. By the time you make the turn, you've used both sets of waterproof you've got in your bag, You're three, four gloves, and your umbrella stopped working. So you never really know what you're going to get.
1: One of the many great things about the old course is that so many people get the opportunity to experience it so intimately. It's only natural when you're churning out a full tee sheet day after day after day. And Iona is one of the fortunate few that has pulled off what may be the ultimate golf hustle.
4: So I was lucky to study at the University of St. Andrews. And I suppose that's where my relationship with the old course starts. Obviously, I had heard of this mysterious place and the east nuke of Fife, but it wasn't until I went there as a student studying the history of art that I came across it firsthand and I was one of the lucky ones that got the golden links tickets which meant I could play all seven courses of the links including the old course for roughly a hundred pounds a year and as you can imagine as a student it was 90% golf, 5% socialising, and 5% work, I think, if I'm being generous to the work. So it was a pretty good life. And I think, you know, I certainly didn't appreciate how lucky I was. And I think that's part of the beauty of being a student at St Andrews is that you have that youthful naivety and you don't realise that rocking out of bed with a hangover onto the first tee of the old course is something that people would give their right arm for. And as I've gone on in my life and And later down the road, I bought a house in St. Andrews and lucky now to more or less call it home when I'm not traveling all over the world, you know, following the tours. And I appreciate it more and more just how lucky I was and how lucky we are to be able to go to the old course and go to St. Andrews and how special the old course is.
1: You can ask 10 different people what they love the most about the old course and get 10 different answers. Golf course, architects, historians, and aficionados all rave about it. Like Jeff Shackelford
0: is the old course, the best course in the world, uh, from the perspective of strategic architecture, it is by far, it's not even close. I understand why some people don't care for it or would not want to play it every day or would not see it as perfect or ideal, but. It's kind of astounding to think that in all this time, nobody has created a golf course design that has even even a shred of the complexity that it has. There's just nothing like it in terms of the wind shifts and where you need to play to, depending on the day and where you are in a match or where you are in the tournament. And it's constantly changing. It's, it's held up to... Uh, technology in some ways, uh, not all, but and it's required tees off on the other golf courses to do it and questionable hole locations perhaps in the open. But the point is, it, it challenges the best players in the world in ways they're not used to.
1: Also almost unanimously in favor, some of the best players in the history of the game
0: i met a uh, a guy who's a very successful executive and he uh is a friend of tiger and and a friend of his played there on a trip uh, just a few years ago and at his get together in vegas uh, you know they went to him they went you know we went we we get it the town it's cool but we like what's the deal i we just didn't you know, the golf course well, we don't understand why is it your favorite golf course in the world and and Tiger just looked at him and said, you're not good enough to understand. And then he let out a big laugh and they didn't take it the wrong way, but that, that it a- is able to get people like Tiger and Jack Nicholas and Bobby Jones to tell you it's their favorite, to tell you it's the one that makes them think and work the most, I think speaks to just what's going on there. It's uh, it's so unusual. I'm going to
1: steal a few quotes that Jeff put together in his newsletter, The Quadrilateral. Bobby Jones said, There is always a way at St. Andrews, although it is not always the obvious way. And in trying to find it, there is more to be learned on this British course than in playing a hundred ordinary American golf courses. Peter Thompson, If there is one part of the game not right, no matter how you try your hardest to protect it, the old course will find it. Alistair McKenzie, I doubt if even in a hundred years' time a course will be made which has such interesting strategic problems and which creates such enduring and increasing pleasurable excitement and varied shots. Desmond Muirhead, no one who has ever played the old course is ever the same again. Bernard Darwin, it is a course of constant risks and constant opportunities of recovering, of infinitely varied and to the stranger unorthodox shots. And Bobby Jones, I could take everything out of my life except my experiences at St. Andrews and I would still have a rich, full life. The nostalgia that comes with the old course is easy to understand without even visiting. I'd heard many people refer to it as their favorite course but figured it was the novelty of the home of golf that contributed greatly to this affinity it took a few loops around the course to recognize it but once i did the light bulb went off for me excluding all of the history and the setting and all the tingly feelings the course gives you the actual golf course might just be the best in the world here's jeff Shackelford again
0: if you set aside kind of your preconceived notions of what a golf course should be and you really just focus on the round and and if you you just need to hit a few shots out there the way you wanted, the way maybe the caddy told you to play them, and experience that thrill. You just realize how fun it is. The shots you get to play on the ground and, and the way the contours just work. You know they're just they're just work, and they if you use them right, and it, there's no feeling quite like it.
1: A quick break to check in with our friends at WHOOP, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA Tours. They've got an all-new 4.0 version of their product. It is smaller, smarter, designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. You've heard me say this many times on this podcast. It helps me make better decisions when I know exactly whatever I'm doing to my body, what the output is, what the effect is, what it does to my heart rate what it does to my heart rate variability, what it does to my sleep patterns. It all affects the way you feel on the next day. It gives you a great report to see how well your body has recovered. It gives you incentive to actually go to bed on time. It tells you you should go to bed at this time. If you're going to wake up at this time, if you want to peak tomorrow, if you want to just get by tomorrow, here's how much you need to sleep. It gamifies your health and it really is a helpful, helpful tool to help make better decisions The all new waterproof device is free when you sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. And right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code NLU15 at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W H O O P.com, enter NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. Back to the pod. The out and back nature of the course works in a really unique way, with holes 2 through 8 and 12 through 16 all playing to double greens. The sum of the two holes in the double greens always adds up to 18, with 2 and 16 sharing a massive, massive putting area, 3 and 15, 4 and 14, and so on. The fairways are lined with random humps and hillocks, devastating bunkers, yet there's some of the widest fairways in the world, as you're also sharing landing areas with the holes going the opposite direction. On top of this, the turf is some of the best in the world, and it's incredibly resilient considering the amount of play it receives, and the ground dictates everything you do.
0: Well, some of it's just that that the looks from the tees are not very great or uh, what we're used to in modern golf. They're not definitive, and when the caddy tells you with today's pin, you better go you know, on the second tee, aim at the whatever, the... Uh, almost the corner of the Old Course Hotel. You're like, what in the hell is this? And, but that's ends up being sort of the beauty of it. Uh, is that that the whole locations dictate your strategy? Sometimes it's the wind. A lot of the time it's the wind, and it's different every day. You know, it checks off all the things you kind of hope for in a course that it's it's never the same. It makes you think, uh, it makes you just try to skirt a ball by a bunker or in a certain spot. And the more you know it, the more you are aware of those places you need to be. That is something that is very hard to achieve in golf architecture and not many people have. Because of how firm the ground
1: plays, how vast the options are for hole locations, the severity of the bunkers, you're faced with just
0: an excess of options on how to get your ball close to the hole. It's just kind of what you would do. It's a bizarre parcel because it starts at the town and goes out through this one stretch. And why that why that one stretch appealed more than others, uh, we'll never know. But you look at the contours and, and that stretch, they are the most amazing contours shaped by the, the ocean, the floor of the ocean a long time ago. And uh, the other courses don't quite have the... the 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 incredible amount of contour and it's it's just another one of those things that uh, obviously they recognized playing it it was more fun when there were there was there were interventions by the ground some of the
1: recommendations your caddy will give you will sound insane but it really does take experience that you can't find in a yardage book to know the proper places to leave the ball on a certain day
3: that's something honestly i've kind of learned um over the years that for myself at open championships is You know, most places that we play, you go play one practice round and you have an idea like, okay, I'm going to hit a three wood or a five wood off this tee and it's going to be kind of somewhere in this little area. And then, you know, you want to miss it over here. Whereas there could be a chance where I could hit a six or seven iron off of one tee at, at St. Andrews to stay short of the burn. Whereas the first day I ever played it, I hit driver six iron. So you have to take each day for what it is. And almost for someone like me, not having a lot of memory there could end up working to my advantage because I don't have those past memories of the course playing substantially different than it might. You know, that could be something that helps
0: me out. But the idea that you have to think about every shot, the consequences and 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 sometimes those places you need to go are so unusual. You know, some days it's when the 12th's drivable, you want to drive it over the green and chip back. You know, things like that that are just so counterintuitive to what, people are used to doing in golf and it's uh managed to charm essentially every great player in the game Uh, they've all been there and the only one that hasn't is is ben hogan and if there was anybody who would have absolutely devoured what it is all about it's him which is kind of uh ironic and sad an example of this that still blows my mind to this day was on my
1: third loop of the old course in 2017. my caddy brett put a three wood in my hand on the 16th hole and had me aim into the third fairway Walking to the ball, I was still very confused as to why we did this, but when we arrived, I had a perfectly clear view of the back right hole location. It's a route I would have never chosen on my own, and had I played the day prior or the day after, it would not have been the proper play. Now multiply that out by 18 holes. That's the exercise the old course puts you through. And I've given this a lot of thought, and what I always come back to is that the bunkering at the old course is what defines the strategy. They're so penal that they must be avoided at all costs, yet they're hungry to gobble up anything that's offline. At the same time, you must take them on to have any chance at scoring. Here's Justin Thomas.
3: The bunkers at the Open Championship definitely differ than week-to-week on the PGA Tour, and I think that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I, they are they are that for a reason, and I think and it's not because of bad sand or poorly manicured or anything. It's just because they're deep and they're penal, and... Every single Open Championship, everybody basically at the start of the week decides, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to lay up short of these bunkers, or am I going to challenge these bunkers? And there's no right or wrong answer, but you better be committed to one of them because um, they definitely play as a penalty some courses more than others and some shots more than others. But at the end of the day, you're going to have some shots over the course of a week where you just kind of have to you know, man up and, um, and take them on and, and execute.
1: Let's take the ninth hole, for example. It's listed at 370 yards, but it's drivable for most players when it's not into the wind. It's a wide, wide fairway that is also shared with the 10th hole. Yet the end hole bunker sits precariously, just slightly left of center at 290 yards from the tee. And just 26 yards to the left of that sits another bunker. If you can thread it between these two bunkers, you can easily run one up to the putting surface. But if you miss slightly, you might be pitching out sideways out of one of these bunkers. And on a day where it's into the wind, you got to think about another bunker short of that one on your layup. It's like this on repeat. There's a certain freedom to the old course experience that you just will never feel when you stand up on a tee with a 25-yard wide fairway with water on the left, bunkers on the right. There's just never anyone telling you where you need to hit it. You're free to choose your own adventure and your own route to the hole, and it's just so engaging to the mind. Sometimes I fear that I overhype certain places in my head, and when I return, it's all going to come crashing down, but it's not hyperbole to say that each time I go back to the old course, my stance on it feels strengthened. I've traveled a fair amount of the world. I've gotten to have a lifetime's worth of incredible experiences both on and off the golf course, and I love my wife and my family very, very much, but I can confidently say that there isn't anything I'd rather do on earth than play golf on the old course. Here's Rue McDonald from the Scottish Golf Podcast.
5: But there's nothing like it in the world of golf. You, you and I have been lucky to travel around the world and play golf. And nothing is like playing uh, on that first tee of the old course or walking up 18 um, in, the, in the setting sun around the, the old buildings. There's, you know, it's an intangible feeling whenever you play St. Andrews.
0: You still have to get acquainted with it. You still have to get comfortable with certain shots and you still have to pull off some really uh, ballsy shots, given the OB, given the gorse, that, that if, you, if you take a, a risky line and you don't pull it off. Uh, and, and so that's the beauty of it, that those elements of the test are still there. You, you, you wish they didn't have to stick pins in weird spots or tees on the other golf courses. Um, but it, I, I find the tees on the other course to be kind of more of a minor thing uh, at this point. Probably after writing that article and realizing, holy cow, there is literally nothing like this uh, where the the world championship of of a sport can can go back to the place where it started. So it's kind of, yeah, it's worth it. The
4: challenge that the old course will provide is a test of patience above anything else. And that patience will often be playing within oneself because it's not a course that you can necessarily overpower. And it requires that beautiful combination that Lynx so often does of imagination, skill, and will. It's the full package. If you've got the, the brute force, well, that's great. But do you have the mental resilience and the imagination to create a shot when you're just out of position? And I think often the obvious choice for these guys will be, you know, the power shot will be to try and take things on in an aggressive way and I personally believe that the champion golfer of the year on Sunday of the 150th Open will be someone, a player that has the ability to harness the elements and most of all has imagination and the ability to, to play with that in their hands. I,
0: I understand why people struggle with, the, with what the, the visual is on a lot of the tees, but once you get over that and you feel kind of free to, to go after it, it's just spectacular and then of course there's just something about the town looming in the distance you know it's just sort of a movie set really in a lot of ways
1: it's worth noting that the old course is far from the most difficult course in the open rota and without wind straight up it's pretty damn easy for the pros there's challenges plenty but the wind accentuates those challenges greatly and there's a very good chance we see some ridiculously good scoring at the open this year
3: you know i mean if we get sunny 70 degree days with not much wind i mean we're going to shoot really really low and i think anybody who knows golf can tell you that because that's just how it is these days but at the same time if it gets very firm very baked out i mean you're just going to have pins that you can't get close to the hole and you're going to have fairways that you're not realistically going to be able to hold and um, that's what i'm excited for because you just kind of don't know what you're going to get and you have to get there and just take it for what it is and i think those guys like it so much because all those open championship links golf courses are shot makers and ball strikers' paradises, and uh, we we all know that the, those two are are known as that.
5: You know the old course everyone's talking about. You know the score being um, a concern. I think for for the RNA, but you know every links course needs. The weather conditions, and if the weather conditions blow like you normally get on a nice breezy day in St Andrews, then you can find yourself, you know, a bunker that you've flown over by fifty yards. The next day, you're you're trying to lay up short of. There's a reason why you're not allowed golf carts on the old course in Andrews, is because I think people would end up driving into them. A lot of these bunkers are, are you can't see off the tee, uh, and they're they're hidden by um, humps or hollows, so. Yeah, it, it's going to rely on the weather conditions. And if we get the weather conditions, you'll see, you know, variation of golf shots uh, required to plot your way around, which, you know, around a golf course that isn't going to be too long for the players, but will require, you know, accuracy off the tee and some strategy and, and you know, certainly a refreshing um, approach than the regular tour stops that we see week in, week out. The golf course actually closes 17th of June, so you, you've got a month of preparation that goes into the, the course. What I'm hearing at the moment is that the course, you know, we've had a, a very cold spring. Uh, some courses nearby have actually suffered them had to close because of the cold spring. But I think the, the golf course, if it gets a couple of more uh, warmer weeks, then it'll be in prime condition going into the open.
1: It's also worth noting that we know of at least one hole that will definitely present plenty of difficulty.
5: The 17th, the road hole, probably one of the most famous par fours in golf i'm hearing reports of some thick juicy rough down the left hand side you know that's probably not intentional per se i think there's probably been some um some bad rough management in the past but you're looking at certainly thicker rough down the left hand side which if you've got thick rough down the left and you can hardly advance your ball onto to the green and you've got out of bounds right it makes it a very difficult uh, a long longish par four uh, the approach shot is, I think you might agree Chris, it's one of the most enjoyable shots you can hit if you're on the fairway to uh, a green that feeds right to left. If you could get a ball running up the front of the green on the right hand side it'll uh, meander around past the road hole bunker to a very narrow sliver of green at the top before it runs over the back and onto the road. Uh, and then obviously balls that roll onto the road inevitably roll up against the wall which is the out of bounds boundary which will be stacked full of uh, thousands and thousands of fans who will have the best seat in the house to hopefully watch, you know, the best players uh, compete against each other. And um, the, the whole final stretch of St. Andrews from the, from the, from the 12th, uh, from the 11th, really, uh, right through uh, that back nine, when the town sneaks closer and closer to you, that's, for me, is, is the best part of the course and the best part of the experience of the old courses is when you, when you're starting to creep towards the town and, Without doubt, 17, probably the, the best hole for me on the course.
1: Then you roll over to the final tee. The town that has gotten bigger and bigger with each shot you've played on this nine is now right in front of you.
5: The 18th and, and, and any open at St. Andrews epitomizes what is great about the game of golf. You know, anybody can essentially, any golfer can play the old course St. Andrews. And whenever you're lucky enough to get over here to Scotland and, and to play golf in Scotland, to play the famous courses that, you know, your heroes have played, uh, I I don't think we probably celebrate that enough, and and the Open Championship is a celebration of that. It's open to anybody, and and to the chance for us to all to watch the best players play a course that we've played I think is is pretty special. In terms of the eighteenth, it's it's nerve wracking. I know the fairway's wide, but the amount of balls I see rattle around the the hotel there up on the right hand side. Uh, I don't think the players will have that problem. But it's it's certainly not a, an easy uh, Bernie chance for everybody. I think you know we, we saw that with with Spieth in the uh, in the play, um, in the final hole of of 2015 where he he maybe should have got into the playoff. Uh, it's. It's gonna prove a, a, an exciting finish to to the Open Championship, um, no matter you know whatever the situation is, but I I always find that approach shot to be uh, to be tricky. I know people get close to the green, but you've still got a hundred and something yards with a wedge to a, a sloped green, so you know inevitably balls spin off, and then um, it's about controlling your spin for that second shot. But the whole spectacle that. You know the the iconic image of the grandstand behind the green. You know the streets being lined with with uh, spectators, uh, both inside the ropes and outside the ropes. I think it'll be make for a a, you know really special and and potentially an emotional farewell for some of our favorite golfers as well. Um, You know who's to say Tiger won't wave goodbye to to the to the fans on on 18. But whatever is the case. Uh, the 18th and the the Old Course St. Andrews is uh, is a special place in the world of golf.
1: Another thing I love about this place is that it fits all styles of play. It's adored by low and high handicappers alike. It's just fun. It's like a playground.
5: And it's such a golf cliche, but it's, you never play it the same. And you hit shots on the Old Course St. Andrews that you've never hit before. You hit 100-yard putts that you would think, right, I'm never hitting that shot, but... You know, whether it's the caddy or whether it's just the way it lies, uh, you find yourself hitting these most ridiculous shots. i you're lucky to play it probably a dozen times and, you know, certain aspects of the course might feel underwhelming first time round, And then, you know, by the seventh, eighth time playing the course, you realize, right, that makes sense. So I just think there's so, such a you know complexity to the course and the way the holes are designed that it does take a few rounds to get used to and familiar with. And, um, you know, the fondness of the course grows every time you play it.
2: If you follow golf, it's special because you've seen it so much. And then being the birthplace of golf makes it extra special. And then it's just a great walk. The the views are fantastic. Nestled right there within the center of town and having the uh, North Sea there beside you and all of that. And just the ease of which it is to play even for a uh, mid to high handicapper it's just an easy course and a fun course to play it doesn't beat you up it's just to borrow bandon's phrase it's golf as it's meant to be
1: tried my best to isolate the conversation around the town of St. Andrews itself to its own section here, but you can see how the setting of this course permeates through the entire experience from the discussion you've already heard. There's a vibe around the whole area that is just so welcoming.
3: I was actually cool the first time I legitimately saw it in person was on a Sunday, you know, in their clothes and it's essentially a park. You know, everyone is just walking around the course. People are walking their dogs on the course. You're having picnics in the 18th fairway, like just random people going in the road hole bunker. Like, I just couldn't fathom and believe it and then obviously walking around the town you know going to eat in the Dunvegan. um it, it just everything about it was was so so special and and you know there's kind of those handful of golf courses or places in the world you can go to when you kind of know it before you get there and that's definitely one of them.
4: There's a mystery about St Andrews that it's hard to find anywhere else in the world full stop let alone the world of golf I think it's something that residents of the town, visitors to the town have pondered a lot. Why is this place? Why is St Andrews so unique? Why is it a setting that that makes people fall in love of a very deep, passionate kind of love? And I think it's a combination of things. I think part of it's to do with the eclectic mix of people you you get in the town. You get students, you get tourists, and you get residents. And these three... Different groups of people come together to create an energy and you place it in its geography, which is in the East nuke of Fife, and it's really only accessible by boat, car, or really that's it, because there's no train that can get you there. There's no, there's no landing strip you know, really in St Andrews, there's not an airport of of international scale. So I think it's difficult to get to. So people feel like they come on this pilgrimage to St Andrews. And by the time they get there, they realize it's a really small town. And the the energy is amplified because of the scale of it is very human. It's not like it's spread out over a large city. It's all compacted into the wee cobbled streets and you're bumping into you know tom watson as you go down the street and then you see you know literally tiger woods you never know who you might bump into in the town of st andrews and it's all there and it comes like this cauldron of energy and fire and electricity and just pure magic and people go away with a huge smile on their face
0: just being there to experience the town if you get to go and i've told people not the greatest spectator course, but even if you can just go for a day, if you're in the area or you're on a golf trip and you can break away, to just experience walking around the town, the people you run into. I mean, I spent uh, one morning, Jim Nance and I talked for like a half hour. He was just, was, I was walking down the street to the course and he was going to get a coffee and uh, you run into people, you see all sorts of, yeah, Nick Price and Justin Leonard were having a beer at the Don Vegan last time. and. Uh, just kind of soaking up the atmosphere that connection of the town to the tournament and the course uh again there's just uh nothing even remotely close to it
5: if you just had the university by itself you'd have a prosperous town but you factor in you know tens and tens of thousands of golfers from all over the world coming in and spending their money the place is is alive you know from march april right through to uh, the end of october you'll you'll see it the place full of students and and golfers and there's a real energy to the place again it's that intangible um there's loads of great restaurants coffee shops bookshops and you know no matter what street corner you turn you're going to see somebody with a set of golf clubs and and for me that's you know one of the one of the, what makes it Andrew special, and you know we use that phrase phrase home of golf, but you know golf lives and breathes throughout the town, whether it's through the locals or the, the people that pass through.
4: Can I describe what it's like for the open coming to St Andrews as a resident? Not really, Chris. No, it's it's impossible to describe it. It's like nothing I've ever seen in front of my eyes. They have they have built a city in St Andrews with the infrastructure that they've had to. They've had to create for the one hundred fiftieth Open. There are near three hundred thousand people going to be packed into the city, and for the period that the Open exists in St Andrews, it will be the third largest city in Scotland. So it's going to, you know, come alive in a way that we we won't know until we get there, till the week of the Open. But as a resident, what's it been like? It's been mind blowing just watching the way that this has been pieced together bit by bit and the effort the magnitude of this tournament it transcends golf it transcends sport and we're looking at a week that will be remembered for the rest of time
0: we get to watch the world's best players determine the champion golfer of the year at essentially the place where golf started st andrews is where obviously we got 18 holes and uh, out and back and things like that. But it's way more than that. The sort of soul of the game, the the spirit of golf and, and everything that developed that made it something so much more romantic and, and charming and sophisticated and beautiful and eloquent and all those things uh, came there from the contours and the ground and the, the spirit of the town and the people. So that's really why it's just so incredible that we not only still have the place, But then the world's best golfers get to go there and decide this championship. And there is nothing comparable in the world of sports. The only thing in the UK that kind of gets close is um, Royal Ascot. They're racing essentially on the same track that they have since the late 1700s. It's amazing that that golf has this.
5: Scotland's. Uh, the UK, St. Andrews, we've all been waiting seven years for the open to come back to St Andrews and, and they're expecting record attendances. and I think there'll be a real clamber for tickets. It's not quite the uh, it's not quite the masters, but we're expecting people to be looking for tickets and and selling tickets outside the gate and and um, I'm already getting people asking me for tickets. So I think uh, yeah, expect a huge crowds, an amazing atmosphere, and we all hope to be and you know a memorable open. To be
1: honest, when I set out to make this podcast, I was planning to do a deep dive into the history of St. Andrews, specifically the old course. But when I dove in, I realized the only way to do it justice would be to have an entire podcast dedicated solely to this topic. Yet another amazing thing about this place is that old Tom Morris is probably owed an entire hour alone, yet he barely garners a mention as I try to list off all the things I love about St. Andrews. And if you've gotten this far and haven't visited St. Andrews to play the old course, you may be asking how you may go about doing that. Here's Rue McDonald again.
5: Yeah, the old course is, is a very hard tee time, as you can imagine. I can't think of another golf course in the world. Take this summer, Chris, where there's already 50, 60 people queuing up in the, from 8, 9 p.m. at night to try and get on. Um, that's one way of getting on is through the singles queue. And, yeah, some of the lines you're seeing, uh, people want to play the old course every year, but especially an open year when the grandstands are, are up. So uh, there's one way. There's another way, which is through the St. Andrews website, standrews.com, and you can actually get on there now and apply for an advanced tea time. And there's a ballot system there, and you'll find out at the end of the year whether you get in or out. And um, you know, there's a small percentage of, of people get through that way. Uh, another way is through the daily ballot, which is uh, drawn 48, 48 hours before. So imagine you're on a golf trip to Scotland and you block out three days that you're going to be in St. Andrews. If, if you're not travelling on a Sunday, that's three chances to get out of the daily ballot, which, um, again, is about a 25% chance of getting drawn out of. The, the final uh, way to get on is the most expensive way, and that would be through uh, a private uh, tour, essentially a package through a golf travel agent. And there's, you know, 50 travel agents that are in St. Andrews and they'll... Uh they'll get you a no course tea time, but they'll also uh you know, put on new course, jubilee and then four nights in a hotel. So it'll be pretty expensive by the time you're all said and done. Yeah, you, you know, St Andrews is a hard tea time to get, but if you want it enough, I think you'll you'll be able to get on. And that might mean like you guys did, get up really early. I think you were up at 12 one one o'clock in the morning. Or you can you can show up later on and see what's going on at the night, at night you've got dark tea times, um, if you're in St Andrews long enough, you'll find a way. Whether you speak to somebody in a bar that can, can get you on to a local tea time, to the local ballot, uh, there's there's ways and means. Another another method would be just go to go to college in St Andrews and join the golf team and, and play it that way. That's another solution, which is not always um, always an option for all of us. But um, if you're young enough and good enough, then uh, join the St Andrews golf team. And the cost? The the old course green fee came under some scrutiny recently when they put the prices up to two hundred and seventy pounds, which. In the grand scheme of things if I compare green fees in Scotland turnbury's 395 Muirfields 310 and King's Barnes is 346 so 270 pounds to play probably the most um you know certain the most anticipated round of golf of of most people's uh, golf golfing lives um it's, it's pretty good
1: at times golf can seem a bit like a silly obsession, but St Andrews takes any hesitation away from the time that I've dedicated in my life to this game. It makes it all feel worthwhile in some weird way.
3: Uh, it's it's going to be my fiance Jill's first time, you know, over over in she's going to come to the Scottish Open the week prior as well and then come to the Open and she's never been. So I'm really excited for her to experience it and you know, we're staying pretty close by, so have the opportunity to kind of walk around a little bit in the afternoon, evening, and night. You know, it'll be something cool for for me to kind of show her around. But it's just, uh, you know, sometimes being being on property super super late. You know how light you know how light it stays there till 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and being on property 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night when it's just peaceful, and nobody's there. It's a pretty pretty cool opportunity and feeling that I think I might, uh, you know, take advantage of early in the week.
1: And with that, I want to thank you for tuning into the ode to the old course. The world of golf could really use a week like the one that's upcoming. And I think this has the possibility to be one of the great ones in our lifetimes.
0: Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, yes. well, I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. (laughs) Expect.